Hey there, Overgrowth listeners. This is Rich. Uh, this is going to be just a quick episode. Um, well, not really quick. Quick for um, openings, at least. Um, no garden updates. Uh, for me, just uh, most of my stuff is still in seedling, vegetable stage. So, still trying to no harvest yet. Um, yeah, and that's it. So finishing up classes and doing finals and everything else. So quick one, and I but I just wanted to put out I haven't um, in with this episode uh, my interview I did with Margot and uh, yeah a coworker from uh, a farm that I worked at locally and she has a lot of great things to say and uh, I learned a lot. So I hope you guys enjoy and yeah that's it. Peace. Sweet. So, um, yeah, so I just wanted to get into it. Usually I, I like to keep these like as close to like a regular conversation as possible. I don't like formality really. Um, uh, but yeah, so tell me about like your, um, what are you up to now? How is your farming, schooling, all that stuff? Yeah, for sure. Um, hmm, that's like a big question. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so I'm in school right now. I think that's the best, biggest kind of, um, farming related activity. Um, and that's, I'm majoring in sustainable food and farming at UMass Amherst in their Stockbridge School of Agriculture. I'm actually doing the classes online um, so that I can kind of do some more hands-on work um, in tandem, which I'm actually really excited about. It also allows me to kind of move around however I want. If I want to go woofing or um, take breaks if I need. Um, so that's been working really well. Um, so right now the classes I'm taking this semester are intro to permaculture, which is super exciting. Um, cultivation of edible mushrooms. Um, and then I also have pasture management and ruminants. So that's cows, sheep, goats. Oh, nice. Who are your professors for uh, the ruminants and the, um, and the pasture? Uh, pasture is Hashem, Hashimi. I have to look. Um, really, really great professor. Um, I love him a lot. And then um, my ruminants professor is not Dressdale. It's uh, Burton. Burton. Oh, yeah. I, I think I took in the same class from her. Yeah. Okay. Uh, She's great. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Nicole Burton. And then my um, pastor management is uh, M. Hashemi. He's great. Um, And then um, I'm also farming at a local community farm, community organic farm here in town, which is great. I'm working there part-time. Awesome. That's the, now do you still work at the Natick one or? Yeah, the Natick, Natick Organic Community Farm. Nice. Yeah. Are you, uh, so are are you like a full-time farm hand now or Um, or a part-time farm hand? Yeah, so I'm part-time. I'm working um, in the flower department, which is really exciting. So I'm a flower assistant. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Is, uh, now is Heather still there or? Yep, yep, she's my boss. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. I haven't been there in a while. Um, I gotta go, I keep telling Casey that I feel bad because I keep telling him, like, I, I go there. So when I get, get off of work, he's usually leaving. 
or or he's not there and I go and I see and I see like some of the other people and I'm like oh no I'm like I missed him and I'm I'm trying to get him on the podcast too but uh, I feel like I should ask him in person instead of emailing him yeah he's a busy so guy. I gotta go down there one day yeah 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 uh we're mostly all there in the mornings and like early afternoons um, that's awesome um yeah so what do you uh do you have a garden of your own now too or i i, I know you guys do you're mentioning something with your father with fruit trees do you guys have an orchard yeah uh so i'm actually living um on my parents property right now um and we kind of share it's a shared land so by that I mean that like I live in a separate kind of housing structure I live in a little cottage and then they live in the main kind of farmhouse um and then they I mean my family so that's my dad mom sister and um they are my parents are both certified in permaculture and so we're kind of permaculture designing um the land around us and so right now we're kind of we're taking it slow so that we can kind of understand the land and understand the environment and um you know, I think, I think it is very important to, one of the major principles of permaculture is to observe, right? Observe and reflect. So yeah. we're doing a lot of that. And um, we're starting to put in an orchard and a perennial, perennial terrace and whaled um, sec- section. So we have a bunch of fruit and nut trees we just planted and just planted. So like yesterday and the day before and uh, last week. So we have everything from gooseberries to currants to um, gummies. We have hardy citrus. We have apple. We have. Oh, you said hardy citrus, or? Yeah, hardy citrus. What citrus plant? Wait, it, so you have them in the ground in New England? Yeah. Um, uh, the name's escaping me right now, but. Um, they're these kind of like really sour and a little bit bitter lemon type fruit. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to check on the name, but um, yeah, they grow fine here. They're very, very hardy. That's amazing. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm learning new things about what could be grown in New England. Uh, and um, I was just, uh, I just found out that I have in one of the farming beds that I was taking care of on um, at the uh, country club, it has prickly pear cactus all over it. Oh, nice! Yeah, we have some here too. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I was, I, I saw it, and I'm like, that can't be a cactus. And I walk over, I'm like, that's a cactus. And I'm like, how is that growing here? <laughs> I know, I know, it's so weird. We have one by our barn. Um, it fruited last year, but I got to it too late. And I, but I really want to get to the fruit early this year and and try it out. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds awesome. How, if you don't mind me asking, how much land do you guys have? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we actually have about two acres, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it kind of, it backs onto two thirds or like, yeah, like a half of the property backs onto conservation land, um, which is really nice. And that there's like a, I don't know how much, a little bit of forest. And then after that, there's like a marshy bog area. Uh, it's not technically a bog. We call it a bog. It's not actually scientifically a bog, but it's very a marshy area, kind of like a, in the summer, it's more of a marshy area. And in the winter, it gets kind of more like a pond just because of the vegetation goes way down. Uh, um, and so that's really nice to have there. Uh, but we can't grow anything on conservation land. So the part that we own is about two acres. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Now, do you guys, um, so you guys fertilize or compost, um, obviously, as you told me earlier, um, what do you, do you guys use like, uh, is, do you guys like make your own compost or usually, or do you guys like get a lot of it? Like, do you, do you do a little bit of both or? Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, when we first moved here, uh, which was, I think it'll be two years ago this summer. Yeah. Two years ago in August. So obviously you don't have time to, <laughs> we didn't have time to make compost. Um, so yeah. for our annual right now we have, as I was saying, our perennial kind of terraced area where we'll have our orchard. And then we also put in an annual vegetable garden last year. Um, so for that, we didn't really have any compost. So we did, we did purchase it. Um, and we still haven't had time to make enough compost that we would need. I think that's like a three years down the road type stuff um like five years down the road that's when you can kind of have enough like on hand all the time um but we did put up a huge chicken cage last summer which right now has six chickens i think or five um one of them just passed away unfortunately um, oh i'm sorry oh it's all good um yeah so we have five chickens right now and so we kind of it's huge i don't know exactly how big it is but um I think like 10 people could comfortably fit inside standing up no worries and it's caged in on all sides um and then on the perimeter there's the caging goes down like two feet I think so that little like foxes and stuff can't dig their way through and so we yeah. put our scraps in there we put our leaves in there we put anything compostable and they scratch around and speed up the um, decomposition which is really really great we had one at our old property and it gave us beautiful beautiful compost so hopefully we'll get the bulk of what we need from there um one two years down the line that's awesome um I, I, do you guys so with um are chickens your only livestock that you guys have or yeah yeah right now it's the only livestock we have um at my old property, I talk about my old property because it was a kind of fully permaculture um, uh, space. And that was in Indianapolis. That's where we moved from. And so we were there five years. Um, and so stuff really had the time to grow. And so the kind of whole system was really kicking into place. Um, and it was a really beautiful thriving ecosystem. Um, we had sheep there and chickens um, and ducks. I miss the ducks. But uh, here we only have chickens so far, maybe sheep and ducks, but um, we'll take, we're taking it slow. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it develops. That's awesome. Yeah. I, um, I have five chickens of my own um, that I got uh, a while ago and I love them. Um, I wish I had more room so I could get like ducks and other stuff um, yeah. to go with it. But I, 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 I'm like the most I could probably fit in my backyard is probably like a beehive. That's really it with the chickens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I don't get a lot of land. Oh man, uh, your chickens, do they, uh, are they free range or do they have their own kind of trailer? So they have their own, like, um, I repurposed, I took two big dog, um, outdoor dog kennels, you know, like, the really big, big ones yeah. um, that Tractor Supply Co. would have or something. Um, I just took uh, two of them and I kind of built them together. Um, nice. And then they have uh, all that um, because I do get a lot of like, Fisher cats and um, coyotes around here, but I have neighbors that let their chickens free range, and I and I know sometimes they come over and visit. Ah, that's cute. You know, yeah. I, no, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say I was um, listening to a lecture by Mark Shepard. Are you familiar with this with Mark Shepard? I am. He's 
Um, hold on. I hope that's his name. Um, Mark Shepard. Yeah, Mark Shepard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Um, you know what he did with his chickens? He he now has his chickens completely free range, even though he has a bunch of hawks, coyotes, and everything. And he has like a hundred or 150, and only two of them die every year. And that's because the first year he got chickens, he got like 200 of them, popped them out immediately, just outside in his field. Um, and like 80% of them got killed off, right? Um, and he had like six left. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but he had a very, very small amount left. And he let he let those breed. He let those chickens breed. And then the next year with the new huge flock, he let them out and only like 60% were killed. And then the, he let the remaining survivors breed. And then the next year, um, like 40% were killed. And now he's gotten to the point where kind of like natural selection has taken over and every year he actually just loses like a handful of chickens out of 150 because he's kind of you know I guess it's kind of selective breeding but you're not really doing the selecting you're kind of letting the hawks and coyotes do that for you yeah. it's pretty neat how he did it I thought it was really cool that's awesome um yeah I never uh yeah I, I yeah I've never heard of that but that's pretty sweet um I could see that though chickens you know they always like, like to learn they're probably teaching the young ha chicks and that stuff how to do how to avoid yeah. hawks and everything else yeah for sure yeah so um I was gonna ask so what are your like favorite vegetables or, or fruits in total to grow like out of everything that you've grown is there do you have like favorites or like ones that you like working with versus ones that you don't yeah I mean I love orchards um and I love the idea of like berries I mean we I try to buy very seasonally which is you know great um it's also kind of sad just because I don't get strawberries at all unless it's like June or July you know but that, that's that's what comes with it and then yeah. I can tell you that I enjoy those strawberries probably more than anyone else come July come June <laughs> yeah. it's the only time you get to eat them so I mean I love berries I love strawberries I love raspberries I love blackberries I really like summer veggies because they're that's the only time of year I can really eat them um I love zucchini um I think squash holds a special place in my heart it's kind of like that late fall mid-winter vegetable which I is it's really nice um what else some really cool fruit we've grown uh sea berries gummies um currants I mean everyone knows currants um, yeah goji berries really just yummy fruit that no one really really grows you know and even though they're super abundant because they're not known about they I mean stores don't sell them they're not at all commercialized so it's, it's been really exciting getting pawpaws too pawpaws getting to taste these like fruits that no one would really that you know no one would really taste before and that I have certainly hadn't tasted before um, yeah so yeah that's awesome um what uh so I haven't heard of sea uh, what are sea berries sea berries um they're really let me see. See, um, they're really good for um, living hedges. They're also called sea buckthorns. Um, anyone kind of any big person in permaculture is just gonna rave about them. Um, they're they're shrub, um, and they're known as sandthorn, swallowthorn, or sea berry. 
Um, I really like them. They're like orange yellow color. Um, and they're really, really good for you. So they've been used for a long, long time as traditional medicine and like um, for skin treatments, although I've never used it on my skin, um, but they're really hardy and they can withstand temperatures as low as negative 45 degrees Fahrenheit, which is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and they're also nitrogen fixers and um, they, they inhibit soil erosion. Like they have really kind of complex um uh root systems uh yeah they're 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 a bit sour and then they're kind of like um like sandpapery um to the taste but but i i really like them that's awesome yeah yeah um what's the other thing i should say so do you guys do you guys um so you guys must can a lot of the stuff, right? Or do you guys just eat a lot when you're like, when it's in season and then do you store any of it or? Yeah, um, again, like this is all very new. Like we're probably gonna get no production this summer, maybe yeah. the next summer. And then maybe by the third summer, then we'll kind of start having production. And that's kind of how it was at Oral Property. We, we basically left just as soon as like production was really kind of starting to pour in. Um, which was, I mean, a bit heartbreaking because we put in all that work and we were finally being like able to see, you know, yeah. all the builds come through. But um, I think that, yeah, I mean, we definitely preserve as much as we can. Um, pickling is great uh, when we get a bunch of berries. I think right now we're just, if we were to get a huge yield, I think we'd mostly be stuffing our face, but maybe by the second or third summer, we'll, we'll can them, we'll freeze them. I think freezing is really great. Um, but I mean, it depends on the vegetable. Last year we had an kind of insane amount of cucumbers. I think like in one day I counted 150 that I'd harvested. Holy that. shit. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was too many to the point where we were like disgusted by cucumbers and you can't really freeze them. We did freeze some to put in soups. Um, but I mean, that's where kind of like the permaculture principle of like uh, fair share comes in where you kind of return your surplus back to the community. So, I mean, I was giving out cucumbers by the bucket load to like everyone I knew and everyone was super grateful. Cause like, I don't know, maybe their cucumber harvest didn't go well, or they just didn't grow cucumbers. Um, so yeah, yeah, we, we like to share our surplus more so than we keep enough for ourselves. And then we definitely share like the excess depending on the vegetable. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, um, that's something I've always wanted to do. Just like to have like, um, just kind of grow, like have a big, um, like a variety of vegetables and fruits on my yard and have like a variety of animals and just kind of go through like permaculture homesteading thing. Um, yeah, yeah, that's something that, that I've always dreamed of doing. Um, yeah. And, uh, what is that? Uh, yeah, I actually, um, I'm trying to, I was experimenting with, um, uh, what's the, uh, I want to say uh, elderberry was the one I was experimenting with. I got a bunch of, um, none of my fruit trees either have really produced, um, except last year I got a bunch of peaches, which was good. Um, that was my first year. Yeah. And uh, I still, I'm, I have a love and hate relationship with my apple trees. Okay. <laughs> in, my pear, in my pear tree. Um, my apple trees, uh, they, I only have one apple tree out of my three that I have that have that has actually given me apples, but it's only giving me two apples. Um, it's a dwarf apple tree and it grows beautifully, 
but it only, and then it has all these flowers and it comes out to like two fla two apples come out of it. Ah, sounds um, like there's a pollination issue. Are you, are they all, are they um, different genders? Like you have a male and female tree? Yeah, at least I thought they were. When I first planted these trees, I was like very new to fruit. Um, so I didn't really know about like grafting and that stuff. So I kind of just got um, a bunch of random trees from like nurseries or something like different apple trees. And I kind of kind of mixed up the, the variety or I got like um, two of the same variety and one different variety. I think two of them are red delicious and the other one is a golden. Okay. Um, but I believe they're they're all different um when I first I kind of went on when I first started farming uh well uh, gardening I kind of like before I started taking classes I was kind of like yeah I'm gonna plant all this stuff and I didn't realize there was like male and female stuff and mm. you know pollination and everything else I was just kind of going by like if I plant this here fruit will come out <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wish <laughs> but, yeah, so um I kind of did that and um I have a pear tree that's kind of, uh, it's been, I think I kind of screwed that one over, but it's, uh, I, I didn't, I only got one pear tree, so I didn't get another one and, mm -hmm. uh, it grows, it's really tall and it, it's actually, I, I planted it, uh, at my, um, my old gardens at my parents' house and, uh, kind of put a lot of stuff there for them to have year round. So I wouldn't have to do a lot of maintenance to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's one of the ones there, and it's huge, but I've only gotten like two or three pairs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but that's awesome that you guys uh, that you guys uh, could do that. Um, yeah. What? Uh, now you said you have you gotten pawpaws before? Um, I've tasted one before. I don't think we got yield from our last property. I think maybe this year and next year the new owners will get yield um but I've tasted it before I think it's really yummy I can never find them I've yeah. looked, I, I have one I have like two I have two I have two pawpaw trees and they're they're fairly new I just planted them last year but um they're growing well but I've not I I, I haven't found the fruit like I've tried everywhere I, I went to farmer's markets I've been to like I uh, even to gone so far as to try to look online to find them and oh, I cannot. <laughs> Shoot, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's yeah. really good. When we have some. I'll, I'll, we'll give you some. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Wait a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's great. Um, what? So, do you guys do? Um, have you guys experimented with like hydroponics or anything else like that? Or um, do you guys do like? Is it all hand water irrigation? Or, well, um, how do you guys do that? So yeah. Um, well, we try to kind of be as kind of holistic and um, regenerative as possible. Um, so with water, we'll we'll take a lot of roof capture and use that for irrigation. Um, we also kind of, you know, earthwork, we modify the land in order to kind of store the most water and, and uh, kind of maximize infiltration. So swales and berms is a way to do that. That's when you, you know, you dig the ditch and you place kind of that soil from the ditch downhill. And so yeah. water kind of fills the swale, fills the ditch, and then kind of percolates through the berm, which is the kind of, um, how do you say, like bump afterwards. And that's where you plant your trees or your perennials. Um, and that way they have access to the water. I mean, you kind of want to, again, you kind of want to um, make your path of water as long as possible in order to maximize 
um, the potential for infiltration. So I think more so than hydroponics or anything like that, I feel like that's very energy intensive. Um, yeah. It's an extremely kind of energy intensive and um, I think there's easier ways to achieve that. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. so like drip irrigation is great. I mean, we definitely harvest, we're working on getting barrels and, and tanks set up um, to get all the roof water harvest um, and just kind of working the earth and, and, and the ground in order to kind of maximize the path of water. Uh, I think that's kind of like, maybe that part of it takes as much energy as hydroponics, but in the long run, um, you're actually gaining energy and you're gaining time because once yeah. you've molded the landscape and you've like a set in place a system, it'll take over and you kind of don't really have to worry about it anymore. So. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that sounds awesome. I, uh, yeah, I, I've fallen not in love with hydroponics anymore. I was, um, I was doing a job for a while that was all hydroponics and, uh, it was, it just seemed wasteful. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was, uh, you know, and they were like, um, well, it's no secret. I would probably say I was, um, I was a cannabis cultivator, uh, after I actually left, uh, Yoder's, um, I went into retail, cannabis retail for a bit and I got, uh, a job at Temesco wellness in, uh, Framingham and Worcester. And I was doing hydroponic stuff and I just, I didn't like it. It was, um, a shitload of fertilizer, like not even fertilizer, just chemicals pumping into it. Uh, yeah, pumping is the word. Yeah. And there was really, uh, you couldn't, there was no, it, it, there was no sense of farming to it like the stuff that we were doing it was right. kind of we were just like feeding the plants what they wanted and that was it it feels weirdly like chemical and sterile I feel you know what I mean very like, chemically and very sterile yeah right and that's like ooh, I don't know I, I want to be I almost want there to be as much dirt as much like you know components of an actual ecosystem in my food as possible i want to see the dirt on my carrots and i want to wash that off you know we're yeah. not whatever but um I, I there's something weird about kind of like i don't know they, i think it's thought that that style of farming and that style of growing food is efficient um but it, I, I don't really think it is i think it's actually it is it i yeah i've noticed that also there's a huge margin for error um mm -hmm. In there, like, um, for example, if something with, I, I feel like that style of farming relies on technology way too much. Yeah, there's um, an ecosystem buffer. Yeah, and one, um, I actually had this argument with uh, with a manager of mine that was there, and I was kind of telling them because no one really um, did any hand watering, and it was all done through technology and drip irrigation. But it was like that, um, like these plants need to be watered. It's like, oh no, the, the technology will do it when, it, when, this, when the probe, which is the probes in one plant out of a hundred uh, sees that it's dry, it'll, it'll pump the whole place. But if, um, it, if when it pumps, it, if it doesn't pump, there's no like the, it, the, the soil medium that it's in doesn't really hold water that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so the I light know. comes on and it torches the, all the plants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know, I know. <laughs> I just, I don't know. As like, I think that technology can definitely be 
a helpful tool and like technology yeah. broad spectrum. I mean, kind of ranges from like a Steerpo all the way to like a tractor. And I think that all tools have kind of like their place um, and kind of yep. like the amount of use or the amount of kind of reliance we should put on them. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're farming the land, you are the one farming the land and you need to have control over. It. You need to also build a relationship with the land and with the plants and with and with your practice um, through watering, through kind of like that that contact with with what you're growing. And I think that kind of all boils down to making farms a little bit more small scale and less kind of like, let's try to maximize this space and, and maximize like amount of profit and like the amount that we can grow, which is I think maybe what hydroponics is a little bit about. Yeah, and I've like, it's kind of, I use this a lot, but it's like a love and hate relationship with it um, because I have seen like the bad side of hydroponics and I've seen the good side of where, as I was mentioning before, I was um, with this high, this uh, phyto remediation class I'm taking. Um, I never knew that there's this like, they sometimes they use hydroponics to clean groundwater um, through, they pump up groundwater through these pipes. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty sweet. And it's like, it uses the same thing, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's also yeah. super expensive. So I feel like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's super expensive. So is it really realistic, large? Yeah. It feels like, here's what it feels like. It feels like a luxury. It feels like a chemical luxury exactly, that is very yeah. fleeting and something that 20, 30, 40 years down the line just won't be feasible. Like we won't have enough energy there. It's not going to be efficient anymore. I think right now we're at the height of like technolo technological efficiency in that like we can kind of we have technology at our fingertips but i mean that's going to rapid, rapidly decline and and you know i mean <laughs> what makes more sense like grabbing your community and like enjoying some time outside and digging some swales and some berms and and making yeah. the pathway of water is most efficient or like creating plastic tubing and and kind of setting up a you know a system more prone to failure using technology for stuff that's going to grow, you know, a couple seasons and then you, you're constantly to fix it. You know what I mean? I yeah. Hands in the soil is always kind of like the better option. Exactly. I a hundred percent agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, you, you definitely know a lot. How long have you been farming for? I'm guessing you've been doing it since you were a kid, right? I mean, kind of, um, what, so if we go back in time, <laughs> um, so I moved to the States when I was about seven. Um, and then we had a little house in a neighborhood with a little bit of land. I don't know the acreage. It was like a little, like a medium sized front yard and medium sized kind of backyard with like a play structure in the backyard and uh, lived there. I mean, we were kind of like a mowing grass family for a really long time. Um, but we were nothing. There's actually this story. Our neighbor was obsessed with his lawn. Like, oh. generally went outside every day. I, you would, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you caught him outside with like a pair of scissors, like making sure everything was like perfectly trimmed down. Um, I know the sense of people. It's yeah, crazy. obsessed and like the amount of fertilizer. Like, you could smell it as you walked outside, which was oh. 
not good for you. Right. And there's like yeah. <laughs> there's 20 kids on our street and we played outside every single day. So like the amount of the stuff we breathed in, I'm sure is incredible. But anyway, um, and so our, we were kind of always joking, like our lawn had weeds and a little bit, but we still kind of, you know, my parents wanted to maintain it and, and keep it, keep it trimmed and, and, and everything. But it was kind of like this pressure from the neighborhood. Everyone had like a clean lawn. Right. And then um, we got a little bit, of, my mom actually is the one that got a little bit into um, sustainability. So, I mean, it started with like recycling, right. Which is like the big one. And then it kind of started into composting and then into, it kind of slowly let, led into square foot gardening. And so then we kind of put in four square, four by four, um, just simple garden beds. And we started growing a little bit of veggies. Uh, and then we put in two more four by eights, uh, grow, grew a little bit of more veggies. And then kind of like they fell into permaculture. My mom started doing a lot of research. And um, then she took a permaculture course and my dad, I mean, did it with her, even though it's under her name, they kind of did it together and they designed their, that house and that property um, into a permaculture landscape. And then we realized, or they realized that they really wanted to do this um, and so we actually moved to another property that had a lot more potential permaculture wise and not as much like pressure <laughs> from, yeah. uh, from kind of the surrounding neighborhood. Um, and that was three acres. And so it was a, a large field, um, a kind of sloped hill and then the back area, which was a little bit sloped. Um, and then there was a barn too. And so that was about three acres. And so then they kind of got to work designing that. And then my dad got his permaculture certification under his name. Um, and he, he, my mom helped him too, but they essentially designed that property. And then we kind of started putting stuff in. And so like, I was just a kid, right? But I did help my mom. I remember when we started the square for gardenings at the first, at the first house, um, she's like, Margo, like, come out. Like, you need to help me put down the cardboard. And, you know, I was, I don't know how old I was, like 10, 11, 12. And I was like, no, like, I don't want to. And she's like, Margo, I don't care that you don't want to. I want you to be able to know how to grow your own food if push come to shove. And I think that this is going to be really useful for you. So I don't care if you don't want to. You're helping me put down this cardboard so you know how to grow your own food because that's going to be important. And I was like, fine, you know, whatever. And I put down the cardboard. But hey, like, that's <laughs> that's incredible. Like, now, then I knew how to put down cardboard. And then I kind of slowly started to help her because um, I realized it was fun. And and then at the second house, I did a lot of helping outside, especially over the course of one summer. Um, I'd gotten these, I wanted to go to like a concert, I think it was. And so instead of, I, I didn't have all the money for it. And so they told me, okay, you're, you're going to have to work for that money. And so, and so I did, I think I worked over like a hundred hours um, on, on that second property doing you know odd jobs I don't even remember like straining terraces and planting stuff and and so I was really I, I was really present for that and then through late high school I was also present but I was also really busy with school um but yeah I think a lot of it I learned from from those couple years where I helped them set up that property uh and then I worked I also worked at a local urban farm at in, in Indianapolis. Then we came here and then I helped my, my parents last summer with the vegetable garden and annual garden setup. And I've, I've also been working at Natick Community Farm for a year and a half now, I think. So that's also brought a lot of knowledge, but I think the bulk of it has been from, from setting up a permaculture homestead.
That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, are you, so I know we met, when I met you, we, uh, I, I came to help Yoder and we were working, are, are you still working with Yoder or? Uh, no, not currently. He reached out to me a couple times the past couple months, um, but every single time was like the one day that week I couldn't. <laughs> so not yet, maybe in the next couple of weeks. Uh, his, his timing is always impeccable and I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, yeah, that had to be, when did, that was September or October, right? That we last worked together? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it was yeah. so out. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mentioned before I uh, I just had Dylan on a couple of weeks ago, and um, yeah, and definitely uh, he's very interesting too. Um, yeah. Good kid. <laughs> yeah, I guess I bet you guys talked a lot about wildlife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I completely, to be honest, I completely forgot he was into wildlife and not farming. So when I had him on, I'm like wildlife, and I'm like going through, I'm like, oh yeah, he he told me about that. He was a photographer <laughs> and that stuff. Yeah, he knows. <laughs> yeah yeah so that's awesome um yeah did you um so after we uh did you end up um so what's your fall into like winter like did you grow do you grow anything indoors for the winter or did you like do are you I know there's a lot there's a big like a house plant craze going on um now with uh, everybody that's really into house are you a house plant person or are you more of just like farming outdoors type yeah, um, I do have houseplants. I do really like them. I just propagated my pothos and my my sister has, has a ZZ plant, so I, I took some clippings from her. But um, my pothos have all have all rooted in water. It's been five weeks, I think. Um, and then I have a couple other houseplants. Um, but in terms of like what we do for fall and winter, um, we we did a main crop garden last year. Um, with potatoes and then three sisters so corn bean squash and um, we did all that harvesting in mid-fall I think around then we got a bunch of potatoes which was really exciting a bunch of squash and stuff and so um, we kept those in our basement which were kind of retrofitting into a root cellar type environment um, uh -huh. in order to kind of store like as I said we do give away we do like like to share any surplus yeah. but we also, I think we kept most of our squash, most of our tomatoes we canned um, into like sauces and stuff. And uh, I still have two squash from last season. I actually should cook them soon <laughs> uh, yeah. in my kitchen. Um, so in terms of like fall and winter, also like winter time is, is kind of the time that's meant for slowing down, right? So that's when you yeah. catch your breath from the season and and you slow down. Um, I do pottery. So I did, I do a lot of that in the fall and winter. Um, just kind of like let your creative kind of artistic self kind of flow a little bit more. Um, I obviously was super busy with schoolwork. Um, but yeah, no kind of indoor gardening of sorts. No. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got, um, I got, I got like a snake plant, uh, pothos and all this stuff um i had a star my um my ex actually got me a while uh back in uh for christmas she got me have you ever heard of an arrow garden no actually i haven't it's i never heard of it before and she got it for me and it's like it's a weird um little uh thing and it comes with six 
little pods and it comes up you could get these soil um soil pods and you could put them in there and they root through water and it's like uh, it has a little led setup basically like a, it's supposed to be like an herb garden for your kitchen yeah i just um, looked at pictures it looks really neat yeah it's uh yeah it's pretty cool i'm i've been liking it uh i grew peppers in it but that's really the only um indoor one besides uh i do um i i tried to get into bonsai uh yeah. i I just have no luck with bonsai and that's, I'm so happy. I haven't got like any expensive bonsais uh, <laughs> because it's, it, you know, is it, each one had it's like a different watering schedule and I'm watering them. And they usually last a while, but then the winter, it just, I, I haven't been, I, I've successfully overwintered like a couple of them. Oh man. Um, yeah. But so like over this winter, I lost one um, that Dude. didn't, that didn't go too well. Uh, but yeah, so that's really all I do. I, I do citrus too, um, but it's I, I haven't gotten anything from them. It's more of like a hope of trying to of like I hope yeah. I get tangerines, and, and it's like uh no, not this no. year. <laughs> Is it indoors? Uh, so I I bring them indoors in the winter, and they are, and I have like a little grow light, but they are I, I transfer them outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, usually when. I like to keep them like usually outdoors if it's above 42 degrees or 45 um usually uh i know they could people usually say 48 is usually the lowest they go but uh i've seen these like plants last like even down in florida they've last like frost before um but i try not to keep them anywhere below 45 42. cool okay awesome well that's yeah. good they're still like kind of surviving and stuff yeah um yeah and I just do um now have you now you mentioned before but you don't grow herbs medically right um a little bit actually um sorry Rich it's saying that I have to stop the recording oh all right yeah um, we can pick it back up <laughs> okay cool I also need to use uh here okay awesome yeah so um yeah so have you grown any herbs medically um, yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, a lot of herbs that are used um, for culinary purposes are also medicinal. So I guess if you count those, we've always had um, a medicinal slash culinary herb garden. Um, we've grown sage, parsley, cilantro, um, or coriander. I call it coriander. I get a lot of hate for calling coriander but coriander and cilantro are the same plant so i'm gonna call it coriander <laughs> i think it's also the british version and my mom's french yeah. in france you call it coriandre so cor coriander um but anyway we've grown some of that um some thai basil some normal basil some thyme um what else and then i took a class last semester in the fall on uh, medicinal herbs and spices, which I really liked. Um, it's an so, amazing class. Yeah, he's so great. Um, Christopher Obbs. I was actually like, I'm honored to be able to have taken a class with him because he's like a huge name in medicinal. Yeah. Herbs. Yeah, he's like the big guy. And so like, I think we were, you took the class with him too, right? Yeah, I actually, um, I got a preliminary okay for him trying, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. Um, <gasps> But oh my god he's so busy um yeah. and that we have to schedule it where I mean, it's probably not going to be until like 
July or something or June, but it's still that's so yeah. exciting. Yeah, that'd be insane. No, he's a, he's a crazy awesome guy. Um, but anyway, so I did the class with him, and so I was like, um. I was like, I'm gonna have my huge like medicinal garden with like ashwagandha and like insane plants. Um, but then, I mean, I'm not gonna be here most of the summer. Um, I was also gonna grow medicinal cannabis as well. So I was kind of thinking about it and I was really kind of making a plan, but then I realized I'm not gonna be here a lot of the summer. And so I won't really be able to take care of the plants and I'm kind of moving around a lot. So I think that will come when I kind of really you know, settle down somewhere and I know I'll be somewhere for a whole growing season, but yeah. I get some medicinal seeds from strictly, strictly medicinal, which is a great, great company. Um, they have organic seeds and, and also their little booklets are too cute where they talk about all the medicinal plants that they sell. So I got purslane, um, which I love. And purslane is crazy awesome for you. Have you heard of it? I have not. I, I've heard of the website, though, and I keep meaning to try them out. Um, yeah. But how, what's, uh, you said it's Purslane, right? Purslane, yeah. And so I actually learned about it. I used to work at a bistro in Indianapolis called Eggshell Bistro. So if anyone listening is an indie, <laughs> they need to go to Eggshell Bistro. It is absolutely insane. Um, but anyway, and so um, the guy that works there, Larry, um, one of my favorite people, he grew... Purslane. I'm trying to find it in the catalog right now. Here it is. Um, and he he put it on his dishes and it just gave kind of a lovely little kind of um he just used it on top. Um, but it's it's crazy good for you. And so let me see. It's it's got, I think it's got every single essential amino acid. Um protein so it has every single like amino acid you need to make protein uh has a little bit of fat um it a lot of vitamin e a lot of vitamin c and uh, a bunch of dietary minerals uh purslane has been identified as the richest vegetable source of alpha linoleic acid which is um, omega-3 fatty acid, which is awesome. Like, especially for me, I don't eat meat or dairy, I'm vegan. So if I can have, you know, omega-3s through a plant, like that's that's a win, yeah. you know? And on top of that, it has a lot of protein, which is really awesome. So anyway, so I'm growing purslane. I have to seed it very soon. And then uh, Tulsi, so um, Thai basil. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh... Do you, so do you start these, do you, so you have a greenhouse, correct? Or like somewhere that you start these beforehand? Yeah, we don't have a greenhouse right now, maybe in the future. Um, so I'll probably just seed them in indoors. Yeah. Um, next to a window. I mean, that's what we've kind of yeah. done in the past. We don't really have grow lights. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just going to hope that the window works. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do the exact same thing. Um, I, if her, I so I have uh, I did a lot of uh, like lemon balm and um, oh yeah, we had that too, basil, sage. I did those at my main garden, um, and then I made the mistake of also in that garden putting in uh, mint. Oh no, um, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, I was a naive gardener back then. Um, um, I had a kind of like a weird gardening start where I kind of had like 
my grandfather kind of taught me how to do a lot of my gardening and he kind of works off of like the old methods of like mm -hmm. you know taste the soil if it tastes this way you need this if you taste this way you need that and all oh, this that's other really cool, though. yeah it's it's awesome but he kind of learned he's like oh yeah if you put mint in the garden just keep on top of it and, and you'll be fine and I'm like all right and if, I couldn't have thought of anything wrong uh, like more wrong. Right. you really uh, have to keep on top of it <laughs> yeah it, yeah I try to keep on top of it and I do but it's like it it, it just keeps growing and yeah. Um, oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it was amazing um the old the really the only I want to get into other medical herbs because the one other medical herb that I really grow that I have enough luck with is medical cannabis uh yeah. I for some reason my green thumb just like it, it, I don't know if it's just the plant is just so hardy or if it's like, I'm just, uh, I, I've like, I like I've cloned it. I've propagated it. I've always had like success with it. So that's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. what, um, so you, ha so you said you have grown it in the past, correct? No, no, no. I said I, no. I wanted to this season, oh, all right. um, but because I wasn't going to be here the yeah. life growing season, I didn't want to leave it to like my family to take care of because it was kind of like my project. Um, yeah. So I think I think I'll get around to it when I kind of find a place to live or or know I'll be somewhere with land that I can use and grow it on um, for a whole growing season. So yeah. So not yet, but maybe one day. <laughs> um. Did you now? Did you want to get into like um? You, you like did you want to get into medical cannabis usage at all or um for sure, the podcast? A little bit, yeah all right what is um what's your experience been with medical cannabis i'm always curious when i ask farmers because farmers and i i've I tend to find out that farmers have a different experience than normal people with cannabis yeah yeah for sure that's that's totally a fair question to ask um hmm, well okay so in the grand scheme of things, I do think that it's extremely beneficial for um, people that can use it in a responsible way. Um, and I think that it can have a lot of mental benefits and physical benefits. Um, I do also think that it can be a bit, a bit much for some people and that a lot of people can get um, a bit dependent on it. And so I do think that you have to be careful, right? Um, yeah. For me, I've used it a little bit here and there. Um, I guess medicinally is a good way to put it. Um, I, I've tried not to be excessive with it. I, I don't think that it's it's meant to be used that way. And I don't think that it can uh, do good, any, everything in moderation, right? I really don't think yeah. excessive amounts is good for you um, mentally. I mean, I, I know in the past when I've used it, a little bit too much. Um, I've definitely, I guess, suffered. I've become more, I've become slower. I've kind of like retracted out of reality. And, and then there's come points where I'm like, all right, like it's time to stop because when you, when you overuse it, you kind of like sink out of, you get out of touch with reality and you get out of touch. And when I say reality, I mean, just like your brain becomes a bit more foggy. And I, I really didn't like that. Um, yeah. so, but I think that um once in a while it's fine I definitely want to get into a little bit more of like really um higher CBD um plants I think that can be a path that maybe I um 
maybe I get along with a little bit more in that like I think that it can be very relaxing I think it can be really good for your muscles and any aches and pains and stuff like that um without kind of like that detachment do you see what I mean yeah. the detachment yeah. is good sometimes sometimes you need it but I think that yeah. <laughs> I think it, it would be really useful to kind of have an option where you're just kind of benefiting from the the relaxing properties yeah um yeah that's awesome I've um I've kind of had the same I my my history with it's kind of been a little bit up and down I I love it as a as I as I like you I believe it could help a lot of people and that stuff and it's um a little it's it's weird I I didn't think before that it could be I was one of those people that thought it couldn't be overused um yeah and then I kind of throughout my experiences with it and meeting other people and that stuff I have noticed it can be overused yeah um a lot and uh yeah so I've kind of just uh I kind of adopt like that same mentality like uh everything in moderation really um so yeah that's awesome um yeah. what what's your so what was your preferred method of using it were you like a flower person did you like was it a edibles concentrates hmm, well I've gone through phases I mean when I was younger it kind of depended on availability as I think it is for you know younger people um yeah and what was available to me was um like a wax vaping a little bit for like a year right. do you know what I mean it's awful for yeah. me so bad I think it's one of like my biggest regrets I think like 10 percent of like my lungs just kind of suffered from that which is really yeah. unfortunate uh, and I'm fine now but I think that I'm I'm very glad I only did it a couple times because that's really not good <laughs> and yeah. after that um I moved to Montreal I lived in Montreal for a little bit um, and then I could go to the dispensary and I, I was, have, have, I really liked using, um, an oil, like a spray, um, concentrate. Uh, but again, it kind of, it felt like it made me slower. And it also, I, I didn't like how, I mean, I did like it, but now that I look back on it, I don't think it was a good thing of how accessible it was and how easy it was to consume. Um, and also yeah. how easy it was to kind of overconsume, um, and kind of not realize what you're getting yourself into when you just have to click like a little spray. Right. Um, yeah. and then after that, um, a flower for the most part since then. Um, and that's much nicer because then it's kind of, it's way more of, um, not a hassle, but like, it's a whole kind of experience, um, consuming it. And therefore you definitely think more than once about what you're doing and and it's you're kind of mentally preparing yourself and kind of going into it as I guess an indulgence as an experience as like um something that you're taking time out of your day or out of your week to do without yeah. it being a commodity and kind of relying on it in any way like I don't think I've I could rely on I mean I don't have the time <laughs> to yeah. rely on it um if I'm smoking it, right? Because it, it yeah. there's a lot of also social barriers. I can't smoke it wherever I want, whatever, da da da. And so because of that, it it's limiting. But I do think for me that that's that's a good thing. And you know, I don't yeah. 
I smoke maybe once every two months now. Um, and I really like it because it's, it's just kind of a relaxing, indulgent, I guess, activity. Um, and it's there if I have the time, but if not, then it's not really accessible, I guess. And I, that's really healthy for me. I really, I really do like that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's actually a really great explanation. Um, I think you're the first person that's explained anything like that to me um, or hey. that I've heard of so far, which is amazing. Um, yeah, have now, have you, now you know like about like, is there like certain strains that you like better than others? Or is there like certain, like, um, I know people like to put labels like sativa, indica and all that stuff. Um, yeah. To me, it's, I feel like it's just different plant profiles basically like different like kind of vary for terpenes and that stuff is there a certain type of uh strain that you like that works better for you or gosh um, no. um oof, I'm really not good at this type of stuff just because again when I was younger it was kind of like what was available to me yeah that was never really up to me to decide and then when I went to Montreal and I could go to a dispensary and and, and look at stuff. I was so overwhelmed with the choices that I just kind of, again, went with what was most popular or, or whatever. I think I did tend to, and I still maybe would tend to um, look at sativa as like a kind of leading way into deciding. Um, but again, I've had a little bit of just a, a mix and match of different ones. And I honestly, A, don't remember the names, unfortunately. Um, and B, um, I've never really had that kind of options and like able to try a bunch, yeah. and like kind of decide what works for me and what doesn't. I mean, right now, I forget. I, it's from one of my friends who grew it organically and that's and that's awesome, but I, I could not tell you what it is. Um, I just know that I like it, <laughs> but no, but there has been some that I, that I really, that I don't like where I just feel gross and, and sluggish. And then there's been other ones where every single time it's been a great experience. Um, but I think as I get older and <clears throat> can kind of look and experiment around, um, and, and stuff, then maybe I'll have a better idea, but for now, for now, no, <laughs> especially if I'm only using it once every, once every, you know, once in a while, then it's not really enough to kind of um, remember what's good and what's not. And, and I'm not using it enough to really go through different. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, what now have you, I always like to ask people this, but have you experienced, have, have you tried edibles before or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if the oil spray counts as edibles. Uh, if not, I also have, um, like gummies and stuff like that. Yeah. Some people do, uh, count it. I always like to use, um, I was, I was never really into, uh, well, everyone starts out smoking. I mean, I, it really, um, that's how I started out. And then I kind of got into, um, dryer vape I found is very, is very good. Um, yeah. I've, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed that a lot. Uh, it was, um, yeah, I kind of got one of those dry little packs, dryer vapes. And, you know, I just, you know, it's so, it's so easy. It, it allows you to control how much you consume. Um, yeah, yeah. It was like, it's like 0 0.3 grams for it. 
and it's like you could control everything on it and i loved it um and i've i've tried gummies before because gummies i like because i could like put other herbs with it too so i could put like uh if i wanted to infuse like lemon balm with it so mm -hmm. also or um or something else i always loved that but that's awesome i always like to like ask farmers um like about cannabis and that stuff because i know i did a recording with another farmer that's coming out in a couple of weeks but he had um he he had like not so good experience with it so i always like to get yeah. people's like different um thoughts on it which is cool because i feel like all the other farming podcasts that are out there they focus on which is great they focus on a lot of farming but they kind of throw like cannabis to the side and i feel yeah. like that's that's going to be like, that's one of the next big things that are going to help farmers. Um, because these things literally do grow like weeds. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, I have, I've planted, I do, I do outdoors and indoors and um, I'm not, I, I recently just got into indoors, um, nice. but it, it's definitely not something I would probably do year round indoors. Um, because it just takes up a lot of like energy and time. Time, yeah. Um, but outdoors, I could freaking put it in my garden with mulch and some compost, and it will. I, I, it's one of the less less time consuming plants that I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I wanted to say I did. I have tried a dryer vaporizer, and I did really like it. Um, oh. Yeah. Which one do you have, um, do you remember oh, which one it was? Or? No clue at all. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. No, 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 it's great. Um, I, I feel like not a lot of people know dryer vaporizers. Um, it, it's it's weird how um, I feel like they would be more popular. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're also so much better for you. Yeah. Um, right? I, I think it could be the attraction. Yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing. Like I've tried. I've gone through oil vapes and I hate those things. Um, yeah, no, no, those are awful. They, uh, they really, what kind of, when I, so I had a, so I have a medical card that I was, that I use um, for ADHD and that stuff. And it kind of helps me focus the uh, sativas, um, mm -hmm. but I, with a micro dose. So I don't like to go like full, like Cheech and Chong and take like a bong rip and then do like a bunch of homework or yeah, something. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like, I do like, small amounts and I find that it helps. Um, yeah. but it's, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, it's, oh crap. I just lost what I thought I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> it helps you concentrate and helps. You yeah. 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 So it helps you concentrate and, um, yeah, that's really it, uh, awesome. that I've found. Um, but yeah, so I've had success with that out there and i'm yeah so i've been trying to do more of that and there's another farmer that i forget um i don't know if he ever worked at chris's i was trying to see if you knew him um oh damn yeah i don't remember his name um but yeah so that's my been my experience but i'm but i'm happy to find another farmer that had a positive experiences with it yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely been positive. Um, something else, like I've loved, I've been liking, um, and I just recently got into this a couple of years ago. Um, smoking um, herbal blends, and so have you tried mullen? I have not. Um, I have tried lavender before. 
Okay, I've done I've done lavender blends just for kind of lovely smell. Um, but mullen and the other one is um, mugwort. Mugwort and mullen. Um, I I really like them. Mullen I like almost sometimes and definitely more than than um, than cannabis um, because it's it's mildly relaxing. Um, but again, it's not it's not classified as a drug. It's not that it doesn't really alter, you know, as your brain any more yeah. than like a kombucha, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's very negligible, but it's just enough. Um, and I personally really like the taste. I really like how it smells. It's also because I've used it and I kind of associate really, you know, great memories with it. Um, but it also makes your dreams really interesting. I don't, I don't, this is not scientifically backed up, unfortunately. Um, and same with mugwort. Um, but my partner and I have both liked mugwort and every single time the night after we have crazy lucid, like super vivid dreams. And so that's also been fun experimenting with because it's it's relatively super safe. Um, and uh, yeah, or, or blending that up with cannabis or, yeah, I, I do recommend mullen and I've been using what grows in, in our on our property. Um, and just kind of drawing it out. And I, I really like it. I don't know. Uh, I just got a phone call that brought in there, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, I didn't, we didn't hear anything. <laughs> All right. Good. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Sometimes the other software that I had, it used to pick up like text or phone calls or something too. And it'd be like beeping. It'd be like a Twitter beep comes somewhere. And oh, it's no. like, <laughs> um, but yeah, continue. so the, uh, so, uh, you grow so mullen just grow it grows on your property yeah i mean it's just a weed here <laughs> oh, so, awesome. yeah no it's it's plentiful and it's it, i've been liking it yeah awesome yeah i've been um yeah i gotta figure out what grows around me um i i'm still uh so right behind me i also have like a conservation land in natick um i actually live on union street so it's real i'm really close to uh the natick farm yeah um, so I have that whole conservation area in the back and I've always wondered, like, it's so plentiful during the year of mm -hmm. like just different plants and like different flowered plants and everything else. And I've always wondered like what grows in the area, you know? Yeah. For it. So that's something pretty cool, um, that I should probably figure out. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have to look into that. Um, what's your experience with lavender? Been in? Uh, I haven't, I, for some, it, I find it calming, but not like that calm, uh, like calming, but it smells great. So. Yeah. I mean, I've only ever used it in a blend. Um, so I won't, I can't really pinpoint how it exactly made me feel, yeah. but if I were to guess, I'd say it'd be the same as Mullen where it's, you feel calmer. Um, but not really. It's not kind of like the, an amount of calm where you're like, Am I like psyching myself into this? <laughs> but yeah. you know, like me, you know, if it's placebo and you're feeling calmer, whatever, it's working. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to actually come. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's making you calmer, and it's just you psyching yourself into yourself being calmer. Then, like, it's working. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so, like, Mullen does that for me, and so I would guess lavender would do the same. But again, I can't really pinpoint because I've only ever had it um, in a blend. But I, I should try it on its own. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I like to go through those and um, 
just like go through the different herbs or medical herbs. And then I always like to ask, cause I'm always intrigued. Do you do, do you guys do any home brewing? Um, yeah, actually, uh, I've gotten really into brewing, um, or I did over the summer and at the beginning of quarantine, it was like my quarantine kick at the start. Um, I really like this guy, um, Pascal Bauder, B-A-U-D-E-R. He's Belgian and he lives in California. Um, he's an incredible wild crafter um, and just a great guy. He, I did a lot of his webinars um, at the start of quarantine. And so I learned how to make um, basically any kind of boozy concoction uh, that you want uh, only with um, only with wild yeast. So you're not actually using, you know, purchased yeast equipment. Um, you're, you're kind of just doing it in a jar and, and it works, which is really, really awesome. So like for, for wine, all the yeast that you need is actually found on the grapes. So when you have a grape and you buy grapes, sometimes you'll notice there's that white bloom on the outside. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually wild yeast. Um, and so you pop a few of those in a jar with some sugar and some water, you shake it up, you wait a couple of days and you have to burp it, um, which means letting out the, the CO2 and that yeast will grow and will feed on the sugar and create, and like, basically that reaction will continue to go on and create ethanol and carbon dioxide, which are kind of like their waste products. And so the carbon dioxide will make the drink fizzy. And you also have to release it because the buildup gets insanely strong. Um, and ethanol too. And then you can scale that up, add more grapes, whatever. Um, and like two months down the line, you have a gallon of wine and all you paid for was sugar, water, and your grapes. And it's really crazy. And it works with other fruits too. Um, it works with apples. It works with, um, we've done, we've done lemon, we've done peach, we've done Japanese plum, um, a whole bunch of of fruits. Um, but what's really great is that, what was really interesting is that, so the yeast found on the outside of grapes tolerates, the, the yeast naturally found on the outside of grapes tolerates an alcoholic environment. So we'll survive in an environment that is about 12 to, up to 12 to 15% alcohol volume, right? Yeah. And so that's when that yeast will start to die off because it's, it's too alcohol-y around them. <laughs> I forgot the word, but it's too, they, they, they don't survive in that environment. So that's when they start to die off. The yeast naturally found on the outside of apples tolerates an environment of about eight to 10%. Um, the yeast naturally found on the outside of lemon tolerates an, I don't know, an environment of like 1%. So you can make like a really nice fizzy soda using lemon, but you can't make a wine using lemon unless you add in that extra yeast. Um, but that what's really cool is that wines are, you know, you'll find them within like the 10 to 15% range. And that just so happens to be when that yeast dies off. Um, and then cider made of apples usually tolerates up to eight to 10%, which just so happens to be like what the cider um, alcohol percentage usually is. And so that's how these drinks were, were made at the start. The wild yeast was used and like, it became a norm that wine was 12 to 15% or, or less, or like kind of around that. 
And that's yeah. because that yeast, it's dependent on that yeast that naturally grows on the grape. It's not someone that just decided that wine was going to be, you know, 12%. Yeah. It's dependent on the actual organism, which is really, really cool. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, I've, I've always wanted to try to get in. I, I tried brewing beer once and I kind of had did it from like this home kit that I got, but I didn't really like feel like I was really brewing it. Um, mm. So I was always wanting to try wine and that stuff, but that's awesome. Have you found that, uh, well, does it come out like you obviously like it, right? Or it tastes pretty good? Yeah, um, I've, I've, I don't, I'm not a big drinker. Um, I kind of decided it's, I'm going to kind of lay low on drinking. Yeah. And kind of any mind altering substance just for a little bit because I don't know, right now I'm at a time where I really like kind of being present. Um, so I haven't personally had a lot of the wine that I've made, um, but we've had it once in a while. I mean, for celebrations like Equinox, Solstice, we'll, we'll, we'll open it up and see how it's going. Um, but I mean, yeah, it tastes like wine. <laughs> we made it's a really awesome. good um, white wine, quote unquote. So we used green grapes and then we put in some peach slices into the like upscaled gallon um and it was delicious it tasted like a very like, it tasted like a pretty dry white wine um with like a slight peach undertone very yummy <laughs> very good yeah i that sounds awesome i've uh, i don't think i've tried a wine with a peach undertone before that sounds pretty great <laughs> yeah it was pretty good <laughs> yeah um yeah that's awesome um yeah, the home brewing is definitely the one thing I want to get in, get into. Um, but yeah, it's been um, yeah, it's been great interviewing with you. I um, thank you. I, I'm still getting new to this, so I'm still trying to think of like, I uh, I have a book with like questions somewhere that I'm trying to that I'm trying to like fill up with questions to ask people, um, and that stuff. Which is uh, so I'm glad that I uh, we had a lot to talk about in that stuff. Yeah. Um, I always like to ask if you have any questions for me, because um, I know that we do a lot of. I ask a lot of questions, but not a lot of people get to ask questions and that stuff. So if you have any questions, feel free to ask. Oh yeah, that's great of you to ask. Um, I guess I'm interested in how you're, um, how you're kind of, how do you grow cannabis, especially outdoors? Um, just kind of a rough outline of like what you do and how the process yeah. works. I guess that would be my, my only question. <laughs> so <laughs> what I usually do is I start off with, um, I, I like to go from seed. Usually I do do clones. Um, I recently started to get into cloning um, as a way of uh, kind of like producing more. Seeds are expensive. Um, <laughs> so I need, I wanted to produce more plants and I kind of got into when I was first outdoor growing, um, I never got really into plant genetics and I was um, breeding two hybrid plants that were already, um, that were already, uh, I want, I don't want to say genetically modified, but like mo uh, basically genetically modified hybrid plants and they, the seeds weren't coming out right. So yeah. And, uh, I got into doing a lot of, uh, just regular seeds, um, with them and I would start them in like either solo cups or that's how I first started out. And, um, it kind of, I got upscaled, to uh, recently when I got into cloning, I went from having like, um, you, do you know what cloning is or? 
Um, I mean, I do know kind of scientifically what it means, but I would love for you to explain a bit more. Yeah, it's it's basically um, where you take a really good um, you pheno hunt. So a lot of the way that the dispensaries and and um, around here at least do them uh, is that they uh, take these plants and they uh, they get a bunch of seeds, they mass buy seeds, and they grow a shitload of certain strains, and they pheno type and uh, hunt the certain strains that they're looking for. If they find that this plant grows a certain way better mm-hmm. than the other one, or if this plant has uh, better vigor or uh, bigger flowers or something, they kind of hunt for that. Um, and then when they find one, um, they breed it and then they breed a mother plant out of it um, where they, they keep this plant in a vegetative state and uh, they take clones from it. Um, and it's not, it's not the most natural way of growing it. I, I'm a more of a seeds person myself. Um, but for the time being, as I, as I was strapped for cash for a little bit, I decided to get into it um, because you could get, you could take one mother plant and you could get 10 plants from yeah. 10 cuttings. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what I got into um, with that. And, but I usually just, uh, plant them outdoors I usually have them in like in, in ground um I don't usually use raised I, I sometimes I do the raised beds but I don't when I put them in the ground they get huge um really fast uh and I find that it's re- it's really easy to do that in the summer and then when it comes time to harvest and you're the only one kind of doing it uh <laughs> that's when it gets hard yeah it gets really hard uh because you have to processing I feel like is the hardest part about growing it because if you're a farmer could throw in a shitload of cannabis plants into the ground and water them and that stuff. And then once they get established, they grow and they can basically take almost take care of themselves. But yeah. uh, when you have to process all of them, it's not like where you could just pick off leaves of a kale plant or something and you could harvest it, you know? Uh, all and, at once. Yeah, it's kind of like you have to go through a whole process. And um, so I like to do that. Um, I usually sometimes go mostly regular seeds um, and I, I, they, they do, they have feminized seeds for, um, for certain uh, strains that I like to use too, just because um, if you do go through seeds and unless you plan on breeding, if you get a male, it's kind of disappointing, um, but it's still, it's, I, I found that you can still have use for it. Um, I, I know that a lot of people put them in smoothies. Uh, it's actually nutritious. You don't okay. get yeah, you don't get like, you don't get stoned or anything um, yeah. off, off of it. Uh, it's just kind of like, but like, cannabis can <laughs> really, yeah. You, you remember, can put like, yep. No, sorry, I was just gonna say you remember studying this with um, Chris Robs the yeah. the other medicinal benefits that aren't in HC or CBD. Just and everything else about the plant is extremely good for you. Yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what got me into it uh, was that when I was actually taking that class, I was kind of like just asking questions and like the, and like the chats and that stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm like, and then that's how I found out I, I can make tea from the stems and I could do, uh, I could grind up the leaves or uh, to put in smoothies or I could, uh, I know some people that put it in salads and I, um, yeah. So I kind of do that. I, I have, um, I usually do between six to, uh, 
six to 12 plants, maybe even more. Um, sometimes, um, I like to grow for myself, but mostly, um, I grow a lot. So I like to grow for other people too. Nice. Um, yeah, it's just cause I like helping people mostly, uh, from growing outside. Um, I feel like the plant definitely gets more of the medicine in it if it's grown under sunlight. Yeah. And we love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some, uh, sunlight and love is definitely what you need to grow it. Um, and I've also found there's other benefits too. Like I have used cannabis grown in my backyard in native to clean my soil. Uh, nice. And last year I did that because when I moved here, I didn't notice that my uncle before had a, uh, a septic tank system uh. from the seventies. Yeah. And I can only grow and raise beds in my current prop property right now until I get a soil test yeah. to kind of test to see if there's any more lead. But that's the other benefit of the cannabis plant that I like is it's it's a big hyper accumulator. Oh wow! Of, uh, of heavy metals and other and other stuff. Um, they mostly use hemp for that, um, but I consider I call it cannabis. Uh, if it's hemp, I still call it cannabis. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of almost the same to me um but it's just they do it's kind of like how like people call all tomatoes generally tomatoes but there's different yeah. types of tomatoes <laughs> yeah maybe no no I got you yeah um but yeah so I do that I do most all hand watering um and I don't uh I don't like to do like uh, I sometimes do drip irrigation um I do have rain barrels that I use um but I do not have like a pump or anything to pump it so it's kind of like and I made once again, I wasn't really too smart when I did this, but I put the rain barrels on the ground um, um, and I didn't realize that, well, if you put it up on- Yeah, uh, gravity to your advantage. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> like, oh, that would have been smarter. And I, <laughs> while I'm like thinking about that and I go to move it and I totally forgot that it's filled up with water. It's uh, super heavy. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of lost that advantage. So I do a lot of hand watering and I, it, it, I usually get one, harvest per season um and just in the new england weather if i do the other one that i've started to ex uh, experiment with is autoflower um okay. cannabis ones which are uh seeds that are guaranteed to flower within like a certain time frame oh, wow. uh, yeah it's usually eight or nine weeks usually it takes fully hmm. um which is they come out pretty small i actually just did one indoors under just a small little light bulb grow light I got for like 10 bucks uh nice. at Home Depot and it uh yeah I got like seven grams out of it so it wasn't too bad uh tangerine yeah. green yeah it smelled amazing uh, one reason why I got it because I love citrus and it smells like tangerines oh, uh, so it kind of masks like when you know if, if someone came into my house and they're like they they don't get like like a, a whiff big, of yeah yeah, yeah, no, yeah yeah you get like oh it smells like tangerines I'm yeah, like, yeah yeah that's what I'm going for <laughs> <laughs> good 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 <laughs> that's an added bonus yeah so um but yeah I, I usually do those outside I usually plant them outdoors usually around now or um well not now but like May uh early middle May um usually if I just to be safe I don't put like the big plants that I want out there, like the big earners, like if I have a strain that I know is going to be like really good um, until like the end of May. Mm -hmm. um, frost risk? Yeah, the frost risk. Um, I always, that's the benefit of going with a lot of plants. I love it. And, um, but it's some strains work better 
in the cold than others. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's what I mainly do. I, you know, I, they don't get a lot of sunlight um, where I plant them. They get like six to seven hours. Um, I know that plant, uh, a lot of people really say that plant needs like eight or plus hours sunlight. I'm like, I know it does, but I've gotten really good yields. <laughs> good, good, good. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, um, but yeah, that's really what I do. I don't really do much um, for it. I try to keep it as simple as possible um, without uh, like, yeah, I saw, I know people like from that where like when they start growing it, they put go like they go full, like full buying the most expensive shit uh, for outdoors, like and everything else and trellising. And I'm, I don't really trellis my cannabis plants. I know a lot of people do. I was going to ask you. Yeah, it's um, the hardest part about trellising with cannabis plants I found out is once again, it comes back to the processing. Um, when we used to trellis all the time in, uh, in my cultivation job, and it's cool because the buds get really big, but the plant can't support itself. Yeah, so yeah. it relies on the trellis. And then when you go to harvest it, you have to cut the trellis out and it just turns into a big mess um, when yeah. doing it. And I found outdoors, it really it just grows so good in the wind and that stuff it really the plant gets really sturdy but uh if i really have if i have a plant that's like really not doing too hot um i would use like bamboo stakes and uh twine um if i had to like i would put like four i, I would put four stakes around it and just do the twine so if i when it comes to harvest if i really needed to uh do it i could just cut the twine right off and it falls off nice kind of type of thing yeah um but yeah it's really it for outdoors uh cool i don't use uh yeah i don't really once i do the initial compost i don't really use any other fertilizer um except for sometimes i, do, I mix in my um the chicken manure um into the ground uh but i i like to do that after harvest and then wait and um and do it i know a lot of people like don't do it in the winter because it's going to go all the way but uh yeah, it's gonna like go into the soil and like really kind of settle in no yeah it does um i've actually it, it's it's funny i've i've heard multiple things i i think it settles in um but some people are like it's gonna get leached away but i'm like it's not gonna leach away it's, it's just gonna sit in the soil um yeah at least from my experience, so. Yeah, I think it depends on the, your, like, microtopography and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, like, I mean, like, liming, for example, you put in the fall, or you should put in the fall. You should lime your, for your soils in the fall. Uh, yeah. But I'm sure it still helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, that's really my outdoor plan cool. i like to do um i like to do pots too sometimes um pots are just so easier uh because yeah. you just put it in a five gallon pot and you get a smaller plant but you know it's going to be within like a good height like a good height to you yeah. to work with <laughs> uh nice yeah cool beans thanks for sharing yeah no problem um yeah so any other questions or no, I don't think so. I think that was the big one. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, so that it was great talking with you, and we're gonna have to do this again sometime. Yeah, um, yeah, it was great to come on and and chat. Yeah, I, I know you mentioned before, and I just uh, remember in this, but you said you did you live outside the United States at some point, or I did, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Where where was that? Yeah, so <laughs> um, I was born in England, um, and then I lived in Italy for five years. Oh, that's awesome. So I mean, I was a little kid, but uh, that's why I moved, like I moved to the United States when I was uh, six or seven. So I did live, but in Italy, we were in like a little tiny apartment. So we didn't have any outdoor growing space. Uh, do yeah. you remember a lot of that time or? I, I mean, I do remember a good amount of it. Yeah, it was like my really kind of mid to young childhood. So yeah, I do remember a lot of Italy. I, I really loved it there. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I've always wanted to, go and like live in other um especially England too I feel like in England they um every garden show it seems funny every garden show I watch it's always like a lot of English people on the garden show <laughs> yeah they love their cottage gardens and yeah and I've always wanted to see them <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 you should go <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's awesome um yeah, I think you're, this is probably one of the longest interviews I probably had. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've talked a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we're definitely going to have to, um, to meet up at some point and just hang out um, and that stuff and talk about gardening. Um, I did want to offer you, if you ever wanted to also, I do have extra clones. So if you ever think you want to start growing, let me know. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll let you know. That would be really exciting. Yeah. I'll let you know. Because I got, um. Yeah, that's the problem when you start cloning. You get clones and then you have to keep on taking cuttings because you don't want yeah. the plant to get too tall and then you're ended Aww. up with a plant. Uh, a good problem to have, but. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I didn't want to keep you too long. Um, no worries. Here, I'll, I'll stop the recording now. And that is it. Uh, I wanted to thank uh, I wanted to thank everyone who was listening, and I also wanted to thank Margot Schwartz. Schwartz? God, I hope I said that right. Um, yeah, Margot Schwartz uh, for coming on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys liked it. Um, we get some more uh, interviews coming up also. Um, definitely want to get Margot back on the show. And uh, yeah, so we got more coming up and uh, more interviews and that stuff um a little update on some of the side uh side stuff um i'm probably going to for the bonus episodes i'm probably gonna only do one bonus episode and one regular episode um and do some bonuses throughout like the year um so we'll see uh i'm still working on still trying out different ideas and seeing which ones uh worked better um yeah so still trying those out and we'll see i might just do the regular show and there's one side show um under the same overgrowth and then that that would be it um but yeah so that's it and uh we'll see you next week peace